Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 27 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today we have three excellent questions from women, and they are all around this theme of should I stay or should I go? There's so much to talk about, so let's dig in. What advice would you give to women who choose to stay with their abusers as far as how to pray for them um, and intercede for them in being released from what I believe is a stronghold that abusers are under from the enemy. And I understand ultimately it's up to them to choose um, to receive God's freedom from the enemy and from the strongholds that, that they're living in. That's my current situation. I'm in my fourth abusive marriage. And sometimes I think this is where God's called me. And then other times I think that this is what he's been trying to release me from all these years. So I would just ask what advice you'd give for women to intercede for their husband that choose to stay. Okay, Rachel. Hi. Hey, what is your experience with, I mean, I can relate to what this woman is talking about. I spent years praying for mine. What about you? Yes. Yeah. You know, I think that the thing that we have in common, you and I, and this woman and many others are, is this feeling of responsibility for our husbands as though the only thing that's going to help them to change is if we stay, if we pray, if we're interceding for them. And if we do that hard enough, maybe someday they will, um, you know, have a soft heart. Maybe they'll, um, change their ways of, of blame and, and, um, accusations that are so characteristic of emotional abuse. Um, maybe, maybe they'll be the person that, you know, that God can, can have them to be that the God designed them to be. And it is such a trick because, we genuinely love these men and we want the best for them and we want to help them be the best. And that is one of the most difficult things to untangle from when you um, awaken to what's really going on with your marriage, because you have spent the entire time being responsible for them, trying to, as you say, Natalie, be the wind beneath their wings and help lift them up as, as I think Christian wives are encouraged to do. And there's nothing wrong with that in a healthy relationship. But when there's an abusive power dynamic going on, what happens is um, that that uh, willingness to give and to pray and to be soft towards them and and only um, you know work you know to to encourage them in the ways that you perceive that they need it, they unfortunately take advantage of it, and that is one of the most gruesome things about this whole a dynamic of abuse is that the the woman or the the person who's being abused has good intentions and only good love meanwhile the other the abuser is 
taking advantage of it, using it against her, using it to control her. And it is, it is horrid. And waking up to that is scary and it's almost feels too big to wrap your mind around. And then to know what to do from there, I think is where we're at right now. Like, Oh my gosh, how can I, how can I stop doing this? Well, that's what you have to do. You have to to utterly change your mindset about who you are responsible for. And that is yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's why, um, boundaries is such an important thing to learn because this, this whole exercise in an abusive marriage is, is a, a display of a lack of boundaries. So yes. learning how, how to be responsible for yourself, how to allow your, their, your husband to be responsible for himself is really hard. And I, it's, it's, it's painful. It is painful to allow your husband to, um, to, to, to take responsibility for yourself, for himself, because, um, it feels mean. It feels like you're, you're the worst person ever and, mm-hmm. and that you don't love him. And it's, that's not the truth, but that's what it feels like. And so you have to grieve that. I think you mm-hmm. have to grieve that, that you can't, you can't be responsible for him anymore. And you can't keep this whole thing together anymore mm-hmm. um, because you are called to be responsible for yourself and to take care of the responsibilities that God has given you. And that yeah. is not being his conscience, being, um, being the, uh, basically taking up for him in the ways that he's called to take up for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that when we talk about praying for our husbands, we, it's like one of the ways that we can kind of control something that's mm-hmm. completely out of our power. We think, well, yes, I can't change him, but maybe God can. And the thing we have to remember is that God, God is also has really good boundaries and he does not force himself on anybody. And this is where Natalie, and I don't want to get off on a rant about theology, but I'm just going to say certain types of theology, I think make it more difficult to, to, to come to the fact that God is not going to break into your husband's will and make him do the things that you are praying about. It is up to your husband to make the choices to allow God to heal him because what walking with God is, is, is all about surrender. It's all about yielding to the Holy spirit and to Jesus and, and, and allowing that truth to, to work inside your heart. But that's the very opposite of, of what narcissistic abusers do. They can't yield to anything. They, they don't, it's the, it's the very pathology of that mindset and so that makes it very difficult, I think, um, for them to have authentic relationships. And I don't want to speak for, I don't want to overgeneralize here because, um, it's not a good thing to do, but I think it's very hard for them to really experience the, the overwhelming transformation that comes from the Holy spirit because they can't, the, everything about them prevents them from that yielding, that surrender to Jesus. And so God is not going to do that. He, he, if the, if the heart is hardened, he is not going to break in and suddenly, um, start controlling your husband like a puppet master. I, I don't believe that is who God is. Right. I think that as women of faith, we tend to spiritualize a lot of the problems that we have. And I I mean, I don't know why we do that. It's just, it it kind of, I don't know. I feel like that I just, that was kind of inbred inside of me growing up in a Christian home that everything was spiritualized. And, um, and that sounds really wonderful and it sounds biblical and it sounds godly, but it's actually not. It, it's a way 
uh, it's a, it's, it's actually a form of denial and a way of escaping reality and yeah. a way of actually, it's interesting that you use the word surrender. Cause I have that word underlined and circled in my notebook right now. Surrender only I was thinking in terms of our surrendering to God and our mm-hmm. surrendering to reality. Surrender yes. our, our responsibility is to say, you know, is to say, I don't have control over this situation. I don't have control over this human being. And my praying about it is not going to fix the problem. So I need to surrender to the reality of what's going on here, which is I'm in my fourth abusive marriage and I need to make my own God, see, God doesn't, when we make choices in life, that's not us wresting power away from God. That's impossible to do. What that is, is taking responsibility for the life that God gave to us. God gave us autonomy. He gave us choice. He gave us free will. And then he says to us, now take responsibility, take dominion over your life, take dominion over the, and do what you are called to do. And, and then we have, we are responsible for us, what we are called to do. So I would say to this woman, if, if you believe, you know, with all of your heart, 100% that God has called you to help abusive men, um, then, then, then that is your choice, but then you have to take ownership of that choice. Um, that, that you are, this choice wasn't put upon you by God, but it was actually a choice that you made, that you want, this was your heart's desire to do this. You wanted to be a rescuer and you wanted to do this. And then, but when we make, one of the reasons why we don't like this idea of choice is because then we're responsible for the outcomes of those choices. And we don't like that part. That part Mm -hmm. is not, you know, we don't like that. Nobody likes that. Us human beings, we don't, and a lot of times our abusers, that's one of the reasons why they put everything on us too. They give us all the responsibility because they don't want the responsibility for the outcome. They want to be yes. able to blame everybody else. But the, the real important thing to remember about growing up into maturity and adulthood and even maturity in Christ is that we take responsibility for us and our choices and we let go of everybody and everything else. We can love people, but loving them does means that we don't control them. We don't try to yes. make them make good choices. We don't do that. We make good choices and we let others make the choices that they choose to make. Because so, we're um, only human beings. We're not called to be God. We right. can't be God. That's not, that's not who we are. And it's like, if we, if you think about it, like the, the idea that somehow by our, if we just try hard enough that we could somehow control someone else in order to do, um, get them to do the outcome that we, that we desire. That's sort of thinking that we have the, uh, the power that God has and we just don't. Right. We are finite and he is sovereign and he is bigger than all of this. And, um, he doesn't expect you to play that role. He doesn't want you to play that role. You are you be who you, he designed you to be. Yeah. There's, there's two other things I wanted to bring out about this question too. One is the idea of praying then. And the only thing I would say there is that we are called to intercede for one another, but, um, that doesn't mean that we have to be married to the people that we're interceding for. Okay. So you definitely pray for your husband, but you can also pray for that man and you don't have to be, um, 
you know, submitting yourself to or exposing yourself to a toxic environment that's destroying your own soul. Um, if someone was praying for, for example, and, and one of the ways you can kind of see this is by putting yourself in more of a bird's eye view and pretend that you're looking at a different couple. Pretend that you're looking at your daughter or your niece or some other young woman that you love and her marriage. And what would you tell her? Would you be saying to her, you know what, I, um, what you need to do is you need to stay and pray and that'll solve all your problems or that'll make you feel better about your life or that'll, you know, that'll be your calling in your life is to stay and pray. Or would you, and, and if you were praying for her, what kinds of things would you be praying on her behalf? How would you be interceding for her? Lord, help her to be able to endure abuse, help her to be able to, I mean, what would you be praying for her? Just, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm just saying, I mean, I know, I guess I know what I would be praying for. I'd be praying that she would get, be rescued, that she'd be, that she would make good decisions for her life, that she would get out. And so what about you? You know, you pray for your, you can pray for that man, but that doesn't, but what about your life? What about the, the daughter of God that you are? Um, and so just think about that. And then also, um, because you had mentioned that this is your fourth marriage to an abusive man, that uh, I remember watching, um, have you ever seen, uh, oh, it's that musical, um, Phantom of the Opera where, have you Uh seen that Rachel? I know. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well in in that, okay. I remember watching that. I saw the movie version, the, you know, the TV Mm -hmm. movie version and it's really good. It's really creepy. But, um, I remember thinking, I kind of felt like she did, like, I wanted to kind of rescue Mm -hmm. that guy living Mm -hmm. underneath the opera house, you know, (laughs) he was was an abuser. He was abusive. And I thought, you know, what if she could rescue him? And if I was in her shoes, I would be very tempted to think that I could rescue him and bring Mm -hmm. him out into the light. But then you see, as the show goes on, he's not interested in that. He wants to bring her down into the darkness. And there is no way on God's green earth that she would ever have the power to bring him up into the light. And, you know, that movie had a happy ending, but But my point is, is that I think a lot of us women, we, especially women of faith, we tend to think, well, with God on my side, I can bring this man up out of darkness into the light. And if I could just do that, that would make my life worthwhile. That would make me valuable in the eyes of God. It would make me valuable in my own eyes. It would make me valuable in the eyes of this other person. My life would have worth if I could accomplish this. Mm-hmm. And, and that, isn't it romantic? It is. <laughs> it is kind of this idealized romantic idea, and it's all a bunch of hogwash. No, yeah. Hogwash. Yeah. Yep. So um, yeah. So anyway, I guess if I was, I would I would tell this woman and anyone else who's on there, you don't even have to have been married to the person, but I know, you know, some of us dated different went, went through and dated different guys that were not healthy. And it seemed like, I mean, it seemed like we were just attracted to the the bad boys. And exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, I just gotta, I want to help them. And, um, I watched my daughter go through this. She was attracted to a bad boy last year. Thank goodness she's out. And now she's with a good boy, but 
Good. I just, I was scared to death of what was going to mm-hmm. happen to her, but she mm-hmm. thought she could actually help this guy. You can't do that. So Mm-mm. anyway, we should probably move on to the next question. Unless you yeah. have anything else to add. Did you want to say anything else? Oh, I just think that it's sad because I know for, in my journey, I've come to realize how much my childhood set me up for being a, only attracted to people who were completely unavailable to me, you know, and, um, I, I really was, I, and like people who are kind were not attractive to me. I felt like they're wimpy. I guess, you know, there's that arrogance, that confidence that comes with narcissism, like that they are the only ones who are right. Right. And it's just sad because I think that's the case for a lot of women where their childhoods just set them up and, you know, they make choices based on that. And And Christianity kind of, or faith kind of plays into that as well. Yes. Yes. Women are supposed to to be the rescuers and the, you know, the homemakers and the people that, you know, make these, make, enable these men to be all that they are created to be. And that's just not, that's just not, uh, that's not the truth. So it's not the dynamic that God established. Right. Okay. Let's listen to the second question now. Hi there. My question has to do with the decision of staying in a marriage or leaving um, if your spouse has realized that the ways that he has been treating you have been um, emotionally and mentally abusive. My husband has said time and time again that he realizes that what he has been doing is a, is abusive and I believe that he wants to change. I mean, I've seen some changes in his behavior. I think some of the patterns are still there. Um, but I think that he sincerely wants to be different. I mean, he's even gone to counseling and that sort of thing, but I just feel like my heart is so hurt and wounded that I don't know that I can actually picture myself being vulnerable with him again. And it's really scary to think about being vulnerable with him. So then I turn to, well, if I leave now, I'll never know. But also I just feel like I'm in so much pain and I guess I'm just confused because his desire is to change, but I'm just so hurt. So anyway, thanks. Okay. Well, I definitely remember, uh, feeling, going through this and feeling like this. I, had separated from my, um, now ex and I really, he was making some efforts. Um, we had already been through this cycle in the past where I had gotten help and he had made some effort and then he kind of backslid again. And so this was kind of an ongoing cycle in our, in our relationship. And by the time it came down to the separation where we were physically separated, I was really looking for, I was not looking anymore for kind of half assed efforts. I was looking for, I was looking for heart change. Cause here's the thing that I realized is that anybody can change their behavior temporarily. You know, if we re- if we want something bad enough, we can go through behavioral changes, but when, but it, it's not necessary. If it's not rooted in genuine heart change, then it's not going to last. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's not going to last. And I think that there are ways that you can kind of tell if this is genuine heart change. I mean, think about, I mean, Rachel, think about 
people that you know who are people of integrity. I mean, you're, my husband now, he's a man of integrity. He just, mm-hmm. he is who he is. You are dating a man who is who he is. They're just mm-hmm. really solid men. They have integrity. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be, they're not going to lie to you. They're not going to try to pull the wool over your heads. If you ask them a question, they're going to give you the whole answer. They're not going to like withhold information to try to right. manipulate you or yank your chain. They're not going to push your buttons on purpose to see you, you know, cry or to see you mm-hmm. freak out or whatever. They would, ne- mm-hmm. they would never even dream of doing those things. Yeah. Um, let alone do them. And so these are true men of integrity because they are, it's like the color red all the way through or the color mm-hmm. or like, what, what am what am I trying to say? Um, like if you had a piece of metal that uh, gold and they're, they're solid gold all the way through rather than being a chunk of gold that, or rather than being a chunk of coal with a gold veneer on the outside. Right. Or fool's gold. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, so I've got some ideas, but I'll see if you have some ideas too, Rachel, as far as what you would do to be able to really tell if this is going to actually move in a good direction eventually. Yeah. I think the key couple things, first of all, you said he's going to counseling and that's, that's fine. Um, that's good. I wouldn't let that be the end all be all by any means because anyone could go to a couple of counseling sessions and, and, you know, act like they are, you know, really putting their effort into it. Um, so what is he doing outside the, the counseling sessions in order to implement what he's learned in his own life, not using that to control you or to put burdens on you or make accusations of, of you, but is he focused? Like, is he zeroed in on himself? And if he's so, if he's so, you know, aware of what he's doing and how much that affects you, what is he doing about it? Is he, is he really zeroed in on trying to make, make some changes in the moment to moment basis? Or is he, you know, sort of maybe half, half-heartedly doing a few things, but most of the things, you know, are, are, like you said, the patterns are still there. Um, I think that someone who knows that their wife has, has experienced an excruciating amount of pain at, at their behest, you know, at, at, caused by them, that they are going to be overwhelmed with grief and that grief is going to propel them to really do a deep dive within themselves and do whatever it takes to not act like that anymore because they love their wife. They don't want to be like this, you know, nothing, you know, nothing else matters except fixing this. Mm -hmm. And the way you can tell that also is over time, is he being consistent about his behavior changes and, and being zeroed in on himself? Or is he sort of, you know, maybe doing it a little bit here, a little bit there, but you know, everything else is pretty much the same. And see, I think the trick is for us, we are so used to just being thankful for the slightest thing, yes. like lavishing on our gratitude because mm-hmm. they did just one thing, one tiny little thing. And then the, the tr- <laughs> it's hard because then if we, if we expect more, 
you know, if we, if we, if we set this expectation that he's going to be zeroed on and on himself, we feel bad because he's done this one thing. And what do we want? You know, like, what do you expect? Like, you're just so demanding, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we can even accuse ourselves of that. Like, well, he's done, you know, we, we, we have a very compassionate, empathetic spirit. I think all of us do. Um, I feel comfortable saying that. And, and so that works against us because we say, well, he did a little bit. And so I should, you know, maybe I will have sex with him tonight or, um, maybe, you know, maybe I, I don't need to move out of the guest bedroom or maybe I don't need to stay in the guest bedroom anymore. Keep those boundaries and keep your expectations high mm-hmm. because that the expectations have to be, um, the inverse or like basically the depths of your pain. And I know you're in a lot of pain here. I can tell. And you, that's what you said. And so the depths of your pain, um, that's, he needs to be putting in the, basically the inverse amount of effort in order to heal himself. It's not just, I throw you a few bones and we go on our way. Right. It's, oh my gosh, I have caused my wife this unbelievable amount of pain and sorrow in our marriage. And I am going to, um, make the commensurate, commensurate amount of effort, effort in order to deal with this. So this doesn't happen again. Do not accept crumbs because that is, that is, um, that is a, a trap. And, um, it, all it means is that they're not really doing the work and they're not going to be able to change over the long term. That's right. And I would say too, that you may need to make yourself vulnerable in, in other words, expose yourself to the potential of being, of realizing the truth, um, by giving, making sure that you are giving him feedback by making sure that you are not tiptoeing around issues in order to avoid an abusive incident Mm -hmm. or to avoid him, you know, criticizing you or whatever. I know one thing that one of the ways that I knew, because mine was extremely covert and he did seem to be, he had everybody convinced that he was changing, but on the back end, there was one thing he kept saying that was my clue. That was, that became my clue that nothing was really changing. And that was this, he would always say, well, you do things too. (laughs) Accusation. He couldn't, yeah, he could not get past that. Well, you do things too. And Mm -hmm. that's what got, that's what made me realize he has no idea. He's equating his abuse of me with my, for example, I, I didn't do the things he did, first of all. But secondly, what he was upset with me about was when I called him out on things. He mm-hmm. hated that. That to yeah. him was abusive. I was abusing him when I said, please don't do that. Or what you just did was not appropriate. We don't talk to people like that. Or, you know, when I called him out, then he would get angry. And I was being a meanie and I was being a disrespectful and whatever, mm-hmm. just for being a, an adult. And so, um, and yes, when we would have altercations that were really, really bad, there were times when I got, I went bat, you know what, crazy, and I yelled. I yelled and I swore. And, and then of course I was an abuser for yelling. Sorry, mm. I wasn't yelling any, any, uh, I wasn't saying anything abusive to him, but I would yell about the situation. Like, why are you listening? You know, that kind of thing. Why right. don't you, why don't you take responsibility? I don't understand why you're lying to me. I know you're lying to me. You're not, you know, owning up to what you did. You need to. So that's the, that's what I mean by yelling. I wasn't like, 
you blankety blank blank and you blank. I, I don't, that's not how I operate. So anyway, um, so, we, but when you do that, when you confront them and you give them feedback about their behavior, you are risking them coming back at you and saying horrible things to you, either blaming you for it or, um, telling you lies about what they did or didn't do or whatever. And that really hurts. And so, but that's, that's the only way that you're going to know that he's really changed is Mm -hmm. if you confront, is if you keep pressing. And, um, I, I've talked to, um, I've talked to other women who really have believed I've seen this over and over again, actually, they really believe that their husband has really changed. And usually within three months, they're back again saying, nope, I guess he hasn't. Mm-hmm. Cause it's guys so can, sad. yeah, it is. It's really sad. Mm-hmm. And they just keep continuously going around in circles with these, with these men. They're not going to believe me. Okay. Here's the other thing I would say. If they've really genuinely changed, your socks are going to be knocked right off your feet. It is going to be so obvious to you because they are yeah. going to be, it is going to be so absolutely miraculously obvious to you. So if you're not feeling that, that, that you trust your gut because your gut knows exactly what's going on. You may not because you've got, we've got this whole wishful thinking thing going on here. And um, it's really, really hard to get out of that mode of denial Um, but your body knows exactly what's going on because your body is picking up, you are brain mapping him. Um, and again, I've brought this book up before, but I definitely recommend the book brain talk by Dr. David Schnark. Um, you're brain mapping him all the time unconsciously. So your, your, your body knows what, what's real before your conscious mind does. So go with your gut there. And also, and the other thing that I want to say too, is that and this is really a theme throughout this whole podcast episode 26, 27, I'm sorry, is the idea that it's your choice. You get to make a choice. And there is not this, God is not up there with this big hammer going, okay, better make the right choice or I'm going to squash you. That's mm-hmm. not how God works. That's not Jesus. That's not our savior. So um, he says, he says, you're an adult woman you are mature. You can make a choice. You have to decide for your own life what is best. You have to decide what is going to nurture and nourish the child that I created when I created you. Because that, at the end of the day, you're the only one that you're responsible for before God. God is, you, you're not going to stand before God one day and say, and God's going to say, so let me know how things went, you know, with uh, so-and-so, so-and-so's life. How did your, how did you, and what you're in the decisions that you made affect their life? No, he's going to say, how did you steward your own life? How did you make decisions that were actually, I don't know what he's going to say. Okay. I'm just, you know, that's maybe just another story we tell ourselves. I don't know. But anyway, anyway, I do know that there's a principle of taking responsibility for our own lives though. And that we don't, we are not responsible for other people's lives. Um, is there anything you'd like to add there before we go on to the third question, Rachel? Yeah, I just want to um, just share my heart with with her because I can tell that she is really wanting to do the right thing. And I think that's true for all these women is that they just want to do the right thing. And it's so confusing to know which way is up. And 
I just want to encourage, um, encourage you to really, as much as, as you should be looking for your husband to zero in on, in on himself, zero in on you and, and Jesus in, and just mm. keep, keep looking up to him and, um, focus on caring and stewarding yourself and your own boundaries and your relationship with God. And, um, it, it, it that's such a simple thing, but it, I think it's really important for women like us to almost be validated in that way and have permission or something because we've been, you know, we're told that we just need to sacrifice and keep sacrificing and, um, and you know, whatever we've done is not enough. So actually you have, you have enough, you have done enough, you are enough. You just be, and just rest easier said than done. (laughs) Yes. That's really good. Um, okay. Let's listen to our last question. Here we go. Hello, Natalie and Rachel. Just um, thank you both so much for um, speaking so much truth into the lives of so many women that uh, are blessed by your podcast and um, by your articles, Natalie. Uh, My question is, I am married uh, for five years and um, this year is when I really started to confront the confusing issues and just really able to admit to myself of emotional and spiritual abuse that started while we were dating and engaged and carried on into marriage. And the signs have been there, just confusing, uh, being confused and everything. But now that I'm five years in, I listened to your podcast and I think, wow, you both lasted so long in your marriages um, and went through so much before um, the Lord really helped you um, stand up for yourselves and, and do what was best for you and your family, you and your kids. And I am not married as long. I, I you know, I just, um, we just celebrated a five-year anniversary and I'm seeing the signs and um, we actually are separated now. And I'm not necessarily looking for reconciliation. I'm pretty certain that um, that this man and I, uh, it's it's an unhealthy relationship. And so, I guess my question is, <clears throat> is it too soon? And and I think ultimately I have to bring that before the Lord and Him answer me. But can you speak to people or um, that maybe? you know, are, are in young marriages, but are seeing the signs now. And what would you say to those people? Thank you. Okay. I just want to say, I want to jump on this and just say that my (laughs) hope and prayer is that women, that we, that this issue would become so much in the forefront of our minds that women would get out of their marriages as soon as they realize this is an abusive marriage, like as soon, like if that, if you realize that one month in that you file for divorce, that if you realize that like as soon as possible, because the longer that, especially if you can get out before you have kids, because the longer that you wait, the more complicated it gets, the more other people get involved and are, it's just, so yes, my, for this woman, yes, you can get a divorce, even though you've only been married for five years. And if I, no, I had nine kids. So I, you know, my 25 years of marriage, that's the beautiful thing that came out of that 25 years. But if I, with my 
kids, my, my daughters, if my daughter was going to live my life over again, um, I would tell her right in that first year, cause I knew I, six months into my marriage, I felt this horrible pit in my stomach that I had a lifetime ahead of me that was not looking real good or real hopeful. Yeah. And, um, if I would tell my daughter in the same shoes, I would say, get out now, get out and run as far and as fast as you can, because here's the thing, these people don't change. So if you just, if you do decide, and again, it's your choice. So if you do decide to stay, just know what you're staying for, know what you're buying into. You are buying into a life of abuse. And if that's what you want to do, you get to choose that. You get to, it's your choice and Jesus will be with you through it. But if you decide that's not the life for me, you get to choose to get out. And when I did get out, I started a new life and I have an amazing marriage. I'm actually experiencing a Christian marriage for the first time in my life, like a real authentic Christian marriage. And it is beautiful and it is modeling something for my kids that they never had before. And the peace in my life, my parenting, all aspects of my life have been completely transformed since I got out of living in poison and and am now living in, and whether I had stayed single or married, my life was turning a corner and becoming far more beautiful once I got out. Now, was it hell to get out? Yes. But the other side of that hell is, um, is a lot of potential for amazing things to happen. I'm so happy for her that she woke up so early. I wish, I mean, we knew that there was something wrong but I didn't have words for it. I was so ashamed, um, that my husband treated me this way. I couldn't even reach out for help. Um, I was just trying to get through day by day. And, you know, I got married when I was 18, uh, divorced at 33. I spent the entirety of my twenties trying to, um, well, I was raising our son, but also just trying to make this thing work. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, this is the way it is and God was there and, and I'm okay with it. I just, I'm just happy for her that she, she knows it. And she was able to, to reach out and and educate herself and, and come to the realization of what's going on and what you do about it now is, is up to you. And, um, and I, I know that you're going to make the right decision, but, um, I, I guess it's weird to say, but congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I, agree. I, I, I echo that. <laughs> yeah. So and yeah. keep, yeah, keep educating yourself. And I don't, I mean, I think there's, it's, I think at the core of this question is, you know, is there, is it okay for me to think that this is, this is the way it's going to be without having done my time or put in a whole <laughs> bunch of years and yes. whatever else it is, it, you've seen it you can see it consistently. Five years is a long time. Yes. Um, and if this is, if there is no signs of, um, repentance, godly repentance, then I think, I think you've come to the truth and what you do with that is up to you. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us for this podcast episode. And if you could do us a favor and leave a review, leave a five-star rating. If you, if you think this is worth five stars and also leave, a um, it's even better if you can possibly leave some words that would describe what you think about this podcast and how it's changed your life. That will help other people who are looking for podcasts like this to find us. 
And that's what we want. We want the women who need to find us to find us so that they can get the help that they need. Um, and that's it. Fly free.